0: Do you ever wonder where your perfectionistic or people-pleasing tendencies came from? Or if you have teenagers or young adults, and you're noticing that they are starting to exhibit people-pleasing and perfectionistic tendencies themselves. In this episode, Kai, Graham, and I talk about where these people-pleasing and perfectionistic patterns started for us we share our stories, we share how it started, and then our journey as parents and how we started to do things differently. Kai is a mentor for teens and for young adults. She helps work with teens and young adults to manage anxiety and depression and stress. So in order to gain a better understanding of how we can parent differently, so that our teens, our children, our young adults don't have to wear the people-pleasing and perfectionistic tendencies in the same way that we did. Welcome to the Masks Off for People-Pleasers and Perfectionist podcast. I am Kim Gross, your host, and it is my mission to help. You unmask from people pleasing and perfectionistic behaviors so that you can finally have the confidence to live the life that you truly desire. Let's tune in to this week's episode. So, Kai, we are going to talk about this parenting thing, this helicopter parenting, this way of showing up with our kids that it's not intentional but it can reap some horrible effects on our kids. If we're not aware of what we're doing, what I want to talk, what I'm talking about here is that sometimes we don't listen to our kids. Sometimes we just get so in our heads about the way things are supposed to be and supposed to go for our children. We have this vision of my child's going to be blah, 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 blah. Yes,
1: so much.
0: And then we put so much undue pressure on them.
1: And ourselves.
0: And ourselves. So I know that you have a story about how this happened with your son, Jack. So if you want to first just welcome to the show, first of all.
1: I was going to say thank you very much for having me here.
0: Yes. Yes. That that was my first point
1: because it's lovely to be able to talk with you and your audience. So thanks, Kim.
0: Yes. Happy to have you here. Let's hear this story about Jack when he was in middle school. What did he come to you and say? And then how did you respond?
1: First of all, can I just say that as parents, it's hard work. But this parenting lark is really hard work, isn't it? And I think the thing is what we have to remember is that we try our very best we are trying to do the very best for our kids we are doing the very best we can as adults and parents no one gave us a manual no one said as we left the hospital here's your first installment as a little how to bath your child and how to change your nappy no one tells you how to deal with the terrible twos no one tells you how to deal with the teenagers. and we are just learning by the trip and fall method that's the problem and so I don't want People to beat themselves up because I did, and it's a thankless task. We are trying our best, but Kim, the story that you were relating to, I, I had so many light bulb mind moments in the first week. I can tell you, Jack taught me a thing or two, and I learned to sit and listen rather than to involve my ego and get all upset about it. But this was a particular time. I think it was the either the first or the second day. And he had come, he collapsed in a heap in the car and me as this needy mother, how did it go and what did you do? And and poor child, I I was bombarding him with questions. What I now know to do is just leave them, let them decompress and come back to them later. But as it was, I was trying my very best. This was, he's now 30, so he, he was 10 at the time. So it was about 20 years ago. So yeah. And I I was asking him, I said, what did you join and were the nice people and have you gotten into any clubs yet? And he basically just sat there and he went, I just want to tell you I've given them all up. And I just had no idea. Everything, all the red flags and the alarm bells started ringing, and I just sort of thought, what am I going to do? That my that, that this future that that I had had planned for my son looked like it was crumbling before my very eyes. And I said, so I tried to give him the very best. And in primary school, he had judo and extra Spanish and piano and you name it, and swimming and and I tried to in my maybe misguided attempt to let him try everything you know if you don't like piano we'll go to oboe if you don't like oboe let's try some more sports and he just basically said to me first second day of middle school I've given it all up and I could see the his future in my sort of misguided uh, attempt at trying to do the best for him. I could see it all dissolving. And I thought, he's just going to be a waste of space. Because uh, his, his, in, in the UK, we have to write personal statements to basically, for the colleges, to say how great this child is going to be and a worthwhile member of society. And if he doesn't have piano or oboe or swimming or whatever, you know, how, how are we going to fill this blank page? And I just stopped. And I just thought, we're just going to have to roll with this. This is what he wants. And he will pick up where whatever he wants to do at a later date. But what I realized was that I was hot housing my child who was moving from primary to secondary school at the ripe old age of 10, 11 years old. I was hot housing him and parenting from a huge place of fear. And what I needed to understand is, do you know what? My darling boy was gonna find his own way in the world. And I needed not to follow someone else's recipe. I needed to be guided by him because to be brutally honest with all these extracurricular activities and the things that were going to make him shine above everyone else, A, he was miserable and B, he was knackered. And so his grades were going to slip. And and so I I just had to hit pause. And so peering at him in the rear view mirror, I just gripping onto the steering wheel for grim death, I just went, oh, okay, that's cool. Just, yeah, that's, that's what you want then. And it just allowed him, do you know what, to be brutally honest for once in his life to start being able to make the decisions to shape his future. And it was a real learning curve to me. And it was really hard because I thought I knew best.
0: That's what I was going to say. My first question to you is, oh my goodness, especially since you knew you're coming from such a place of fear and all of that social conditioning that is out there. You said you have to write this letter of intent to get into school and that's not even college yet. And you have all this fear based fear going on, which so many parents do, I can a hundred percent relate. I know that I came from this place of fear. But you were able to hit pause in that moment in the car and say, okay, I'm gonna listen to my son Mm -hmm. and I'm gonna listen because I'm gonna let him follow his heart. Yeah. I couldn't do that until like much, much later. So what do you what else do you attribute to you being able to flip the switch that way.
1: I'm not, I'm I'm just trying to think why I did it because I must admit, listening to my mum when she used to watch me parent in a, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but it felt to me in a very passive aggressive way. She was like, mm. oh, you're very hands-on with the kids. I hadn't a clue what you were doing when you were their age. And to me, that was a criticism. mm I think the thing is that, and so therefore, I think many of us find that we often do the knee jerk of parenting differently to the way we were parented because we're never satisfied. My kids will still have hang-ups, I'm absolutely sure, but I know that I tried to do it with the best will in the world. So I look back at my childhood and go, yeah, you hadn't a clue what I was doing and you didn't give me all the opportunities that I could mm. have had. So there, therefore, I was throwing them at both my kids, Jack and Alice. And I think the thing is that I suddenly had to pull myself up and realise that I was sort of totally other, with my mum or the way I was parented. We were very much left to ourselves. And and in retrospect, we didn't come to terribly much harm. And that was then. And this was now. And this is very yeah. different now. But I think the thing. So therefore, I, I had tipped the balance in totally the other direction. And I think it, that's when Jack was trying and uh, there was no no tantrums there was no sort of yelling he just said it in a very mature matter-of-fact way and I think actually that was the thing that got it was the fact that he didn't go off on a hissy fit and have a oh, you never let me do he just basically said it and I thought I, it, it really pulled me back and I thought this young man knows what he wants mm. and this young man knows what's best for him and it, I must admit it I, to be honest Kim I didn't let it drop I did that in that car journey I just thought now is not the time to have this yeah. battle. and I did try and revisit maybe after a week maybe after a month and now you've got more time now you've settled in at school do you fancy and it was nope nope he said he basically said to me I just want to be a kid and it was yeah. whoa and there yeah. was thinking I was giving him all these wonderful opportunities and maybe I wasn't but they weren't floating his boat and they weren't serving him and he knew and the thing was that hindsight's a wonderful thing isn't it he was 10 11 at this stage at the age of 28 Jack was diagnosed with ADHD Mm. and so he knew, he didn't know when we found it out, I was going, oh, well, I, what a rubbish mum and how hopeless and the joke's on me being a sort of helping, being a team coach. And he just went, no, he said, for a start, I never spoke about it. And secondly, I got really good at masking it and hiding it. Mm. But the point was, is that even, and he didn't know, the thing was, that he didn't know until this came out at 28 that everyone else wasn't feeling the same way. He didn't realise that he was he was differently wired. And it was only when we started digging, this was in COVID three years ago. But there must have been something innate in him that went, listen, if I keep on going down this route, I'm going to crash and burn. And for Lee, I just let him be a kid. And yeah. I, yes, it changed a lot of, what? why is he not volunteering why is he not doing this and he's turned out he's now 30 he's just literally the la- last month he um moved to Toronto to live and he's got a job and he went straight in from one job to another and he is the happiest I have ever seen him but it was a real it was a real eye-opener to me mm. that even at the age of 10 11 It's hard for parents to accept, but our kids know best. Yeah. Because they know what's going on in here. We don't. And I think it was a real wake up call for me.
0: Okay. So I think that's a beautiful place to expand this out a little bit. So this is Masks Off, it's for people pleasers and perfectionists. Yeah. And so for me, my story was similar because up until the age of 10, I was just a kid being a kid i was <clears throat> happy just playing kickball and doing cartwheels and going to the park after school and swimming and all that stuff just being yeah and my story was that when i was 10 so the same age and i my mom went to my school for a parent teacher conference And my teacher said to my mom that Kim is a pleasure to have in class, but she is not working to her potential. She's just being an average student. She could do so much more. And for me, I was there. I don't know why I was there. Normally you're not at those conferences, but for some reason I was. And I heard that and I was like, "Mm, okay, something switched in me where I did start to apply a little bit more and I started to get the good grades. I started getting amazing job, excellent. I'm so proud of you, the stars, the everything. And that started giving me this hit, this high of, oh, this external validation was something that I just craved. And so that's when I started all of this subconsciously, by the way, to perform and perfect. And now please, because I wanted to please my teachers. I wanted to please my mom. And so at that point, it was more about, okay, now, oh, play soccer, play softball. Oh, I can be good at that. Run for president of my class. Oh, okay. More and more achievement, more and more accolades. The very thing that Jack was heading toward, the path he was heading toward. That he said, no, mom, I don't want to go down that path, which is brilliant and smart because what I was set up for, not knowing nor my mom, but I was set up for a trajectory, a path, looking outside of myself for my worth, for my validation. And all the while on the inside, who am I? I don't feel worthy just being, it's not. Enough, and it's not okay to just be me. Yeah. And that set me up for a whole shit ton of anxiety and depression, overeating disorder, weight gain, weight loss, just feeling miserable, not feeling like I had meaningful connections because I was pleasing now all the time. So these patterns just kept playing out. Until I knew better and then I did better and I did differently. And then I just did a lot of healing work for the last 20 years. So now, and that brings me to why I'm doing this podcast, but it was brilliant what Jack was saying and for whatever did cause you in that moment to pause and say, okay. Yeah. It's quite interesting
1: you and I must be a sister from another mother. <laughs> I, I was sitting in, however long ago, 1974, I think, in a parent-teacher conference. And my teacher said, with me sitting there and my parents either side, Caroline's not really going to be setting the Thames on fire now, is she? And you went down the road of trying your very best and trying everything and, and doing the external validation. I went down the other path and I went, what's the blimmin' point? I'm average, I'm boring, I am i won't shine. And so uh, I withdrew, I tried to hide. I just, I wouldn't step into the, the limelight because what was the point? Because it wasn't really going to be worth it anyway. Who wanted to listen to me? I was just boring, average wallflower. And I had, basically, I painted a target on my back, which meant, therefore, me shy, retiring me, who used to be class clown, but suddenly, oh, no, she's just rather, she's not really worth the paper she's written on. I was bullied mercilessly because people just picked on me because I wasn't standing up for myself because I just lost all my spark. And then Mm -hmm. something happened and I just, I think I just, I think to be honest, I was just bullied one too many times. And I thought I've had enough of this. I've had enough of being treated rubbish and started (laughs) then went down the people pleasing route you're quite right and i became head girl at school and i and it was you're quite right all that external validation and it was trying to say see i am worth it see i am good see i i can do this and i think the thing was though it was the external validation but it wasn't be, i wasn't been driven by those things that gave me joy So it was, what what do I think people would want? What do I think that that I would get praised for? What do I think if I did that someone would notice me? And I think that's probably what I was doing with Jack. What would make him look good on paper? What will make him shine? What will make someone think, oh, he's a good egg? And I think that's probably what it was, is that my 10-year-old tapped into his 10-year-old and go, I'm with you, buddy. Mm -hmm. And then that was it. It's just enough. Enough of allowing the adults as well-meaning as they were, to say, this is the way your future is going to go. And I think part of me was just thinking, if only I had the courage to do what he was trying to do at 11, then, yeah. So I think it was probably my my 10-year-old was listening to his 10-year-old, to be honest. Oh, my goodness. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. What I'm thinking here is there's got to be a middle ground between what you were saying, how we were parented during Mm -hmm. our generation, hands off, right? Yeah. Very little to no emotional support, emotional nurturing, emotional involvement, Not to blame our parents, not to criticize them. They just didn't know. They just didn't know how they didn't have it. To where we are on the other end of being overly involved, trying to manage it all, like trying to make sure that our children look good on paper by giving them all the things and pushing. So there's got to be a middle ground. Between allowing our children to be themselves, to be who they are, allowing them to tap into their inner knowing, how to trust their intuition, their inner knowing, to listen to it, to follow it, to nurture it, and to still be a guidance, a a support system. Okay, here's what it is. Brene Brown talks about it all the time. Like that, imagine that bridge, that's bridge that hangs in the air, that's going from one end, one cliff to another, and it's going across, and the kids are walking the bridge. That's the path of life. We are just the guardrail. We're there to just make oh, sure so. that they don't fall off into the canyon. And yeah. at the same time, we're there for them emotionally. I see you, I hear you, I get you. Let me hear what your your heart is saying, what your mind is saying, but I'm not going to fix it. I'm not going to control it. I'm not going to be codependent. I'm not going to be enmeshed. And oh my God, wouldn't that be an amazing, like (laughs) parent-child dynamic? (laughs) And I just want to say one, one more thing before I let you share is that because I want you to also... I want to tell the audience that what you do is that you coach and work with teenagers and young adults, and you help them with anxiety and depression. And so what we're trying to do is almost be preventative in this podcast, this episode. Yeah. And so what can you, how can you speak to that?
1: I think to be honest, as I said earlier, we as parents are given no guardrails. We, we, we are learning our, ourselves, and what has worked for the first ten years of our little angels' lives, where we are managing them and making sure they're fed in water blah 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 blah. and we are literally we we are their manager for, to all intents and purposes. What then happens though, is they become they're they're hitting the teenage years. And they don't need managed because they're trying to be independent. Heck, when they, in the olden days, we were booting them out of the nest and say, go and find a husband or a wife and set up a small hold further down the road. In the teenage years, th- th- we biologically, kids are, should be f- leaving the nest. And so we are moving from manager to mentor. And for us, that's really hard because we are learning all of this ourselves. So I think the thing is, what, what, what I learned is to take the ego out of parenting. Mm-hmm. And well, what happens if Jack doesn't have an extracurricular every single day? What will th- people think of me that, that I'm a lazy yeah. parent? And it's no- it's absolutely got nothing to do with me. It is all about me supporting this young man who is working it out in the world and who wants to do things slightly differently. And once I learned that, I mean, I sort of have a handout called Your Teen Knows Best. And it's it's a bit like, for example, and I think when they're growing up, they do need to kick the tires a bit. They do need to flex their muscles a bit. And that's OK. And if we give them the safety to do that at home and allow them to test ideas out. and I want to go vegan. Right. Oh, OK, that's going to be a bit interesting, but <laughs> that's OK. And we have to allow our kids just to experiment and to to. They do know what suits them best. They do know what they feel. Yeah, it, it could be, mum, I'm 12 and I want a spider tattoo on my cheek. Sweetheart, maybe not. now's not the right time for that. For a start, you'll probably be booted out of school. But So here are the guardrails. We've yeah. got to do what is sensible and right. But also, I think we need to take our foot off the pedal and just allow our kids to steer... In their own direction. My, both of my kids, now 28 and 30, have had three career changes each since they they left college. Now my husband, who is fairly straight middle, fairly traditional in 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 his way of looking, in our day, you, you used to have a job for life. Now yeah. my kids are on their third, their, each of them are on on their sort th- third career, and I'm going, oh. What is it's great, you're just finding you're getting extra skills, and you're finding you're He's sitting there twitching, going, Oh my goodness, this isn't the way it happened when I was young. And I'm still going, Please just button it and say nothing. And our kids, they're going to tell that okay. So sometimes we just have to accept that we're going to learn along the journey as well, and that's all right.
0: Yeah, ah, uh, I love that. This has been really. So inspiring. I just feel it's been
1: fun, hasn't
0: it? It has been so fun. And I think what I really loved that you said was the part about taking the ego out of parenting. So, so important. So hard. We're not saying out there, people, parents, that it's easy but mm. so, so important. So is there anything else that you want to share or tell us about what you do and how you work with teens and young adults?
1: Yeah, I think probably the long, the short is I've just released a new book. It, it's out. It, it came
0: Congratulations. Out.
1: Thank you. Mid-November, it's called Fearless and Free. It is a step-by-step blueprint for conquering anxiety. Now this is focusing towards young people, teens and sort of 20-somethings, but mm. there's also, so it's a two-pronged attack. It's a work, the kids, but it's also got a shed load of information for parents. What do I do? What don't I do? What should I say? What shouldn't I say? How do I communicate to a teenager who is just saying nothing? Because that's really what they t- tend to be very good at. I think the thing is, yeah, it's available on Amazon. So please, if it, that floats your boat, it's a workbook. So it's not a read one chapter a night. It's just, get your hands dirty and roll up your sleeves. But I think the thing is that one thing I learned when Jack was 10, and it never happened when I was 10, and I think that's the thing that's, this has been quite therapeutic for me, this conversation as well, is we need to listen to our kids more. And we might not agree with it, and that's fine. And we might still go, sorry, this is the way it's gonna be. But at least our kids will feel valued and heard. Because surely that's all we want to feel as individuals, whatever age we are. We want to feel loved, understood, and respected. Mm -hmm. And the best way of doing that is open communication. And we've got, you've heard it all before. We've got two ears and one mouth for a reason. We need to listen
0: more and speak less. And then we learn a bit. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And if you want, you can share a link with me and I can put that in the show notes for the book that's, on Amazon.
1: That's brilliant. Thank you. It's called Fearless and Precess, kaigraham.com forward slash fearless. Um, okay. And that's- C A I Graham. So yeah, but I'll I'll send you the link in that. Perfect. Awesome. Thank, you. thank
0: you so much. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for being here. It was such an awesome it, conversation.
1: It's I I've, I've hugely benefited from it as well. So thank you.
0: <laughs> I love that. I love that. It's I don't really recall the saying, but it's when it's a 12th step that you learn when you're paying it forward, you're also receiving at the same time. So
1: I think we all need to be open to learning each time. Yeah. It's we don't know everything, do we?
0: No. And I so benefited as well. So thank you so much. And also if any of you who are listening, if you're wondering, oh my goodness, am I a people pleaser, my perfectionist? I don't know that you can also go to my website, kimgrosscoaching.com. I have a people pleasing perfectionist quiz there. And if anything else, it's a super fun quiz to take. So thank you all for tuning in. And I will see you next time on Masks Off for people pleasers and perfectionists.